Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of Wellness in the Workplace. My name is Mbali Mzinyane, and I am your host. Wellness in the Workplace is a podcast that aims to equip new and experienced professionals with the tools and insights to navigate challenging workplace dynamics. And we are on episode two of our series titled The HR Perspective with Boniwe Dunster. Boniwe is an HR specialist, facilitator, a coach, and she is the founder of Blue Eagle Human Capital, and she's our HR expert on this series. Welcome to Wellness in the Workplace. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you tuned into the first episode of this series, you would have heard that we spoke about all things to do right uh, in the process of looking for a job, whether it was CV writing, what to do to prepare for an interview, and how you can stand out uh, to recruiters when you're looking for a job. And today we're continuing the conversation uh, and we're discussing employment contracts, so the do's and don'ts of signing an employment contract. And we have an HR perspective from Boniwe today, talking us through um, what to do when you sign an employment contract. So I'll just go straight into the first question. Sure. You've landed the role and you're about to start, but then you receive an offer letter as well as the contract. What is the difference between the two documents? Sure. So with the offer letter, it's the company just letting you know that you have been successful in the job that you've applied for. They will state you know the remuneration the role who you're gonna report to and some of the you know terms and conditions not in detail like around you know vetting that your employment contract is actually subject to you know certain conditions if maybe they haven't completed their vetting process it's normally mm. a one pager and nothing long mm. however when you're getting to employment contract that's where you find details terms and conditions of your employment mm. that will be how much you're going to be earning, how often are you going to be paid, your leave days, sick leave, any mm -hmm. other labor-related conditions of your employment would be stipulated in that particular contract, including some of the benefits, whether it's medical aid, mm -hmm. pension fund, and whatever the organization provides will be detailed in your employment contract. And that needs to be signed by both the employer and the candidate, whilst with the with the offer letter, you mm. also have to sign both. But your offer letter, you're saying, I'm accepting this position. Yeah. And then after accepting the position, then let's get into the terms and conditions of employment. And that is your employment contract. Got you. So the offer letter basically precedes the employment contract. Definitely. All right. All right. And I think it's then worth highlighting the different types of employment contracts sure. there are, right? So you've got a permanent employment contract, for example, a fixed contract of employment and an independent employment contract. Sure. What are the main differences and distinctions between these types of contracts? Mm -hmm. Um, as an employee and what are the main things to really look out for in those types of contracts before signing and committing to anything right so you've got your um, employment contract whether you're a fixed-term employee or you're a permanent employee however if you if you are signing an independent contract with the employer or with rather an organization be aware that an independent contractor is not an employee, right? Okay. But however, we have seen instances whereby people can distinguish between the two. So we have to distinguish between what is an employee and what is an independent contractor. Okay. So with an employee, you actually 
only working for the organization and that particular organization that you're working for is your only means of economic income. Mm. You are tied to that particular organization and you work for that organization only. Your working hours, your remuneration, your leave days, whether you are sick or taking family responsibility, your lunch breaks and all of those things are in the control of your employer. Mm. And same will apply with your fixed-term employment contract. Mm. However, with an independent contractor, you are not an employee of the organization. So what means? what that means is that you can actually have multiple clients that you're working for. Your economic income depends on multiple clients. You can even subcontract people to do a job for you. So you are not an employee of that particular organization mm. and people often fall into that trap if they really don't understand the distinction between the two mm. however if we're going back to an employee if you get a permanent em- employment contract it means you are permanently employed into that particular organization up until maybe retirement age or up until probably you get dismissed or you get retrenched yeah. or maybe you are disabled to work and same would apply with your fixed term contractor but with your fixed term contractor it is only for a limited duration. It mm. could be maybe three months. It could mm. be six months, depending. And that uh, duration is actually dependent on the nature of the work. Mm. You could be stepping into uh, into a role whereby someone has went on maternity leave. Yeah. And yeah. when that person comes back, then your employment comes to an end. You could be on a fixed-term contractor because you're working on a particular project that the organization has mm. to deliver on. At the completion of that particular contract, uh, you actually then your 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 employment contract then comes to an end, yeah, right? Yeah. However, employees need to guard against the nature of employers keeping them on fixed term contract for long unnecessarily. Sure. Because sure. what that means is that by nature of you being in that employer for too long mm. and your job has become important for the delivery or for the execution of the or the sustainability of that organization you're actually a permanent employee mm. and you're being unfairly treated because you're missing on the benefits that a permanent employees are getting mm. so when you're saying you're a fixed-term contractor understand why is the is the position fixed term or for a specific duration yeah is it because yeah. you're standing in for someone is it because there's a project why am is it a fixed-term contract yeah. because only to find that you'll be working for 10 years but you're a fixed-term contractor but your sure. position is actually permanent sure so yeah. You need to actually have a look at those. And mm. with the two contracts, uh, with an independent contractor, you do not have recourse at the CCMA should you have a, an issue because you are not an employee. So you only have a contract with the employer. So should be should there be a dispute, it's a contractual dispute that could be taken to, to high court and not necessarily to the CCMA. Mm. While with a fixed-term employee and a permanent employee, should there be dispute between yourself and the employer, you do have recourse at the CCMA or at the bargaining council. Interesting, interesting. I think that distinction between employee and independent contractor is very important. But I just want to spend a little bit uh, more time on the fixed-term contracts, right? So you mentioned the risk of an organization continually renewing Mm. a contract um, for whatever purposes. So how then can one gauge the time limit and duration Mm. for when they can stay within an, an, an a contract like that mm-hmm. without being exploited. Mm-hmm. Is there a standard time frame that they need to consider or is it just a matter of until the, the employer decides mm-hmm. it's time for you to you know get a, a permanent contract or potentially even uh, mm-hmm. leave the organization altogether? Sure. First of all, you need to understand 
why is your contract a fixed term contract mm. and you need to understand why are you there for that particular period and there needs to be a reason why that thing cannot be permanent mm. like i said someone is on maternity leave probably there's a project probably it's contingency probably there's a backlog of of some sort that needs to be you know dealt with and you quickly need to bring in a few people to actually deal with the backlog and as soon as that backlog has been managed then the contract comes to an end yeah but if you now are a fixed term contractor because you were brought in because there was backlog in a certain department 12 months later where's the backlog yeah then you start yeah. having conversation to say okay we have dealt with the backlog. Everything is now on track. Is the reason why I'm still a contractor because mm. now your contract needs to come to an end. Mm. And hence, I say you need to be careful against uh, employers that will actually keep you on this contract, giving you contract after contract after contract, and you're not getting permanent, but yeah. you don't understand the reason. So there needs to be justifiable reasons because if you go into the law, then there's a deeming clause. If you've been in an organization for too long, mm. you know mm. you are eventually deemed to be a permanent employee mm. of this particular. Mm. Um, organization mm. so you need to guard against those things so that you don't end up in a trap of spending 10 years or 15 years in that organization you know for nothing so understand what the law says around the the deeming provision yeah. and then um, understand that unpack that and unpack the conditions of why you are there on a contract and then thereafter you can take it up and if they still saying that no you know we're still looking at this we're still looking at that yeah we're still not making money but yeah. you're actually there you end up actually being a permanent employee you can go to the ccma and actually uh, claim unfair labor practice sure. i've been in that organization for five years i have sure. i have officiated bonuses mm, benefits benefits and all of those things and actually they can backdate those things you know if they find that you don't have a reason of not having to make this uh, person permanent. And the reason that we did that or the reason that the law and the legislation did that it was to actually prevent the exploitation yeah. of people in the labor market. And that's yeah. why you find the South African labor law is amongst the ones that really gives the power and protection of the of the employees. Employee. And it's important for employees to really understand mm. what are the laws that really guard against any form of exploitation. And believe you me, South African legislation, you go to the Labor Relations Act, you look, go to the basic conditions of employment, you go to COIDA, you go to the UIF, and mm. all of those acts, they are there to actually protect you from being exploited by employers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very, very good note. So back on just the general employment contracts, right? Many job seekers do get overwhelmed with the legal jargon sure. whenever they receive the employment contracts. So what are some of the main things then that they can consider before signing that contract uh, to ensure that they are protected and that you know they can get the best out of their exchange of services with their employer? Sure. So there's actually quite a lot, um, and most of it is really centered around the basic conditions of employment act mm -hmm. so you need to look at the number of hours that you're working in a week mm. right which so standard are it's i think it's 45 hours okay yeah 40, anything between 40 and 45 hours okay. in, in, in a week right yeah um so you need to look at your standard uh, working hours in a week you need to look at your remuneration mm -hmm. how you are remunerated you need to look at the benefits that you have like for example your family responsibility, you need to look at your leave days, you mm. need to look at your lunch breaks that you actually get, mm. you need to look at how you are, like your remuneration, even if when you are terminated, you need to look at your 
resignation period, right? Mm. So the legislation will say you need to serve notice uh, for a week if you've been employed for less than six months, yeah. two weeks if it has been more than six months or a year if you have been, um, sorry, or a month, a month if yeah. you've been employed for more than a year. Yeah. So those are the things that you need to look out for so that you don't actually end up being exploited. Do you also th- need to look at things such as the restraint of trade whereby you are limited from working for other organizations post that particular employer. You can't work for their competitors. You can't work mm. for any person that has done with business with them, has been their client. You can't work within a specific geography because you know what, they, they are maybe dominant in that market. So mm. those are some of the things that you need to read and understand when you get your employment contract. So don't rush into signing. Yes, I know we are desperate for jobs. Uh, unemployment rate is very high, but get to understand the terms and conditions of your employment, what mm. they mean to you, and how would these play out once you are in the organization. Yeah, yeah. So you touched on a point around remunerations. So what discussions need to be happening prior to the employment contract around salary negotiations and benefits mm-hmm. to ensure that these are captured and included in your employment contract? Sure. So when it comes to remuneration, different companies remunerate differently. Mm. In certain organizations, you'd find that they calculate their remuneration on a cost to company. Yeah. So what that means is that everything is inclusive in that particular figure. Your medical aid, your pension mm. fund, and everything else is mm. that because it's a total cost to company. Mm. And then you have a basic salary whereby you find it's your salary, but your benefits uh, or your employer contributions to your benefits are not included in that basic salary. Yeah, yeah. Right? So the employer contributions would be on the side. You will have that. But obviously, at the end of the day, if you combine the two, they will come to your total cost of you being in that particular mm. employee. So get to understand the breakdown of your remuneration. I often say to candidates, when you get a job, just ensure that you ask for a dummy pay slip mm. so that you get to understand the impact of the package that you are getting. Mm. Because often people get excited about seeing a figure, but mm. they don't understand how that figure will be broken down or yeah. how it will be impacted. Yeah. You find yeah. that you're transitioning from a basic salary into a cost of company mm. or you're transitioning from a cost of company into a basic, you know. So that might actually be confusing and you need someone to unpack that. Mm. But each and every employee, when you're coming to like standard... Um, maybe benefits based on legislation. Yeah. You need to have fi- like leave days, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. 15 days per, per annum. Mm. But other organizations can give more. Mm. You've got 30 days of, of sick leave in a three-year cycle. Mm. Your family responsibility is three days. Other mm. organizations give more. Maternity leave, uh, it's, it's four months. Now you've got... Um, you also have adoption leave, for mm. example, and mm. commissioning leave. Mm. So all of those things you actually need to take into account and, and, and make sure they are included in your employment contract so that should there be a dispute between you and your employer, you can refer back to your to your employment contract or just ask, shouldn't these kind of things be included so that you are not left out and the employer said, no, when you signed, yeah. you didn't ask because some yeah. people can really do take chances. Yeah, definitely. And would this be consistent across all the different types of employment contracts? 
if you're a permanent employee, it, it, mm. it, it, if you're a permanent employee working your normal, like, you know, 40 to 45 hours a week, That's it, would, standard. It, 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 it would be. However, you have people that are working in commission-based roles, mm. people that are working in sales uh, departments, and mm. you find that such benefits would actually differ. Mm. So your income is commission-based. You find that there's basic and commission, mm. or you find that there's um, there's a basic and there's a quarterly bonus mm. based on your on your targets. There are people that are on pure basic, on, sorry, on pure commission, right? You don't get anything if you didn't sell anything. So those would actually be be different so even how they calculate certain benefits would actually then be different based on that yeah yeah okay okay so in what ways does the law and legislation protect employees from unfair labor practices in the workplace Mm -hmm. and how are these then reflected in the employment contracts yeah as I indicated earlier, so our Labor Relations Act, uh, Basic Conditions of Employment Act, and many others, right, they are there to guard you against any form of exploitation. Mm. So when you look at your employment contract, just check on what date am I going to be paid. If it's monthly, is it on the 30th, is it on the 25th, mm. last day of the month, and all mm. of those things. So that needs to be included in your contract. Yeah. Because yeah. there are other employers who find that they don't pay employees on the same day or they actually skip salaries. You'd actually find queries whereby I haven't been paid for two months. Yeah. And that is an unfair labor practice because mm-hmm. the reason we have entered in, into an employment contract is that I provide you with my skill and my services yeah. and in return you give me remuneration. Yeah. So if I've done my part and you're not paying me, yeah. why are we there? Mm-hmm. And this is something that you can actually take to, to the CCMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, your leave days, so you know, if you are injured or if you are ill, you know, you have a right to take sick leave and go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. You'll find someone that says, oh, you still need to come even if you're sick. You find people that are being exploited when they are on maternity leave, they're sure. being mistreated. Sure. You go on maternity leave, you come back, they tell you that your role has been redundant and you don't have a job anymore. Sure. Or your employer says that, you know, you, I'm not going to give you four months, I'm going to give you two. No, you can't give me two. The law says you must give me four. You know, if it has to be less, it ha- I need to consent to it, mm. you know, but it cannot be you dictating that to me. And all of those things, you find them in the basic conditions of employment. And hence I say, if you get your employment contract, read through it and understand. And if it is the first time, then ask someone that you trust that can review your contract to say, that, is this legit? Is this within the legislation? And what is it that is missing here? So that you, you are also in a position to negotiate or to actually ask rather yeah. for things that are you know, are legally yours. Mm, mm, mm. So we know that, you know, we've got high unemployment rates in the country. Our economic climate isn't the greatest. And because of that, that can ultimately put people in desperate positions mm. that they sign contracts that are just terrible and are not great for their, um, you know, survival and protection within the workplace. Can they get out of these types of contracts and how easy is it for them to get out of them? One thing about having to terminate your employment with your employer, it's easy because resignation is a unilateral decision. Yeah. So if I decide that I don't want to work for you anymore, it's not a consultation. Mm. It's a unilateral mm. decision that I've taken that I do not want to continue working with you maybe because of working conditions and then what you just have to do is to inform your uh your line manager yeah or you inform hr yeah and then you get to save your notice based on your employment contract we often hear someone saying i've resigned but my resignation has ne- has not been accepted yeah no one has to accept your resignation <laughs> it's a unilateral decision no one can say no to your uh, to your resignation the only thing is that they can tell you that you need to save your notice we don't have 
this thing of immediate resignation in South Africa, like mm. I quit. I'm Where giving you, you resign with immediate you know, effect. It doesn't unless yeah. it's by agreement between you and your employer. Yeah. But uh, according to legislation, you need to actually serve your notice. Yeah. But the decision to leave doesn't need anyone to approve it mm. or to okay it mm. or to get approval from the head of the decision. It's a unilateral. It's yours. Mm. And you're saying, I'm terminating my, 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 my employment contract with you. Mm. As such, I'll be finishing off at the end of the month. No one has to say yes or no. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the effects then or the risks of deciding to resign with immediate effects, even though you're not protected by the labor? So what do you stand the chance of losing? Sure. I think one thing it's same same applies to the employer. Employer mm. cannot dismiss you for no reason, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that's why it is important for employees to serve their notice because the employer can also not dismiss you like with immediate effect, right? Yeah. Without having followed a fair and a due process. Mm. Uh, however, if you decide to resign with immediate effect, you stand a chance of being legally liable to pay for your notice period. Right. Sure. So you can, if you're saying I'm leaving now, your employer said you actually have to work for 30 days. But if you're leaving now, then you owe me for that 30 day salary. You have to pay that back to me. Right. And they can take legal actions mm. against you. Mm. Some employers might go as far as having to recover that money from your leave days and mm. your leave days do not get to be paid back to you because yeah. you actually then owe them. Thirdly, you actually burning bridges because from that particular organization, you might need a reference in a year or two, mm. or you might be in it in the same industry, and then you know what it might transpire to say, no, oh, money, but you just left up and left. That mm. one is not reliable, right? Mm. So you also need to be careful in terms of how you exit so that you do not burn your bridges. Number one, number two, you don't end up having owing the organization for leaving with uh, you know immediate effect and so that you can also allow due process to follow in terms of completing your exit documents yeah. getting your leave days paid yeah. getting your pension fund withdrawal forms completed so that you can either withdraw your pension fund or you can transfer it mm. or you can take partial amount of it so those, there are those multiple things that you need to consider when you just want to up and leave yeah. so yeah. be careful around that yeah that's very insightful but then in the case where then the employer breaches they can contract and they change the terms of the contracts without your knowledge as an employee what avenues do you then have to take you will actually internally you might start with an internal grievance process but if mm. it's the employer ultimate employer and just not the line manager yeah. then you might actually have to take that to the CCMA because the legislation does not allow employers to unilaterally change mm. the terms and conditions of employment the only way that the terms and conditions of employment can be changed is through a consultation process. Mm, so you need mm. to consult your workforce or you need to consult an employee in terms of what changes you want to make and the reasons you want to make those changes mm. and engage in a meaningful com uh, conversation to get to a consensus. Mm. And once you've reached that consensus, then the terms and conditions can 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 change. But uh, no employer can change uh your terms and conditions of employment, that being your salary, mm. that being the number of days that you work, mm. that being your, your benefits, that being a location where you are, those are your are your basic terms and terms of conditions of employment. And should those change, they should need to be done through consultation. And once an agreement is reached between the two parties, either between the employer and the employee, or the employer and the trade union on behalf of the employee, only then they can change. Yeah, yeah. And if that doesn't happen, that process of consultation and agreement, uh, as an employee, what avenues can I then explore to make sure that I am protected? 
you can go to the CCMA. The CCMA is there to actually resolve disputes between the employee and the employer. Mm. And one does not have to resign to actually get recourse at the CCMA. People often believe that the CCMA is only for people that have been dismissed. Mm. But you can even go to the CCMA even if you are still in the system and you are still employed and there is an issue, there's an unfair labor practice or anything that's not in line with the legislation, you have your recourse at the CCMA or at the bargaining council if your industry falls under the bargaining council. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, when you mention that one doesn't necessarily have to resign to take the recourse of CCMA, um, I just think about, you know, the working conditions thereafter when they return back. So then in that case, what would be the importance and what would be the role of having, I guess, allyship mm. or trade mm. unions um, in support of, of, of people who decide to take those avenues? Yeah, sure. So what happens is that if maybe you go and then you come back and there's a bit of animosity and there's a bit of like victimization or how you mm. are mistreated in the organization, of course, if you are unionized, you, ha- you can go to the union and yeah. actually help them and ask them for help. Yeah. Or alternatively, if you are being mistreated or victimized and there's an internal grievance process, then you can actually follow the internal grievance process to say, Mbali, as my line manager is mistreating me, she's uh, you know, uh, not treating me the same as the other employees, not giving me my job, you know, ignoring me and all of those things. Follow the internal grievance process. Mm. Grievance process often have three steps. So you'll go to the step one. If it's not resolved there, goes to the super senior. If your super senior is unable to resolve it, then you go to the higher person to actually resolve your conflict. And if that conflict or, or, or grievance is not resolved at that stage, then you go back to the CCMA. And at that point, you can even resign mm. and resign. And when you resign, you can go to the CCMA and claim um, constructive dismissal. Sure. And when you're claiming a case of constructive dismissal, you're basically saying that the working environment and conditions were intolerable to an extent that I was not able to continue working. And that was the last option because I went through the grievance process. Mm. I've laid this with HR, with my line manager, but we have not been in a position of resolving this and I had no alternative other than to resign. And then when you go to the CCMA and lodge an unfair or rather a constructive dismissal case, you stand a better chance because you have followed the grievance process. Mm. A mistake that many people make is having to resign in the heat of the moment without actually following the internal conflict resolution Mm. uh, avenues. Mm. And when you get to the CCMA, the first thing the commissioner will ask, Mm. you were unhappy, what did you do? Mm. Did you lodge a grievance? No. Did you let HR? No. No. Did you talk to your line manager? No. And the, the commissioner will say, but you needed to have exhausted internal processes yeah. before you get in here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's in the hopes that those internal processes are clearly defined and adhered to, right? If they're not clearly defined, your legislation stands. Yeah. So the fact that they don't have it, it does not mean that the legislation is not applicable to them. So yeah. if, if, if you go to HR and say, I need to lodge a grievance and they say we don't have an internal grievance process. You take them to legislation to say this is what the the legislation states in terms of a grievance. Mm. And if not, then you go straight to the CCMA and they're not exonerated from that process. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, then that brings us to the end of our discussion with regards to employment contracts. Do you have any final thoughts, considerations or recommendations on signing employment contracts from an employee perspective? Sure. 
I think it is important when you sign your employment contract to first understand what you are signing for, mm. the role that you have applied for, the terms and conditions of that particular of that particular role, and take time to read your employment contract. Mm. It empowers you to actually have meaningful conversations or meaningful questions when you want to engage your line manager or you want to engage HR. We often disempower ourselves by not wanting to read. Yeah. I know we are desperate for jobs and our unemployment rate is very high but don't get too excited and sign yourself into something that is not in line with uh, what you want so make sure that your employer doesn't make you to sign a fixed term contract purely because you're on probation a fixed term contract and probationary period are two separate things and your probationary period should be included in your permanent contract or your contract so make sure that they do not exploit that clause yeah yeah Okay, that's very, very insightful, Boniwe. Um, thank you so much for sharing just your expertise around the signing of employment contracts and things to consider, uh, especially when we usually go into these contracts blindly and out of a place of fear and desperation, right? So where can our audience find more of your content and insight? So you can find me on all social media platforms. My name is Boniwe Dunstar on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. It's Boniwe Dunstar, your HR specialist. Uh, on Twitter, it's Dunstar underscore Boniwe, and I am available on Blue Eagle Human Capital Practice, and I do offer consultation sessions either for um, labor-related matters, you need to prep for your disciplinary hearing or your CCMA cases, you can book a session with me accordingly. Amazing. Thank you so much once again. We'll definitely be touching base in the next episode and thank you for watching or listening to the second episode of the hr perspective with moniwe dunster please follow wellness in the workplace on instagram at wellness in the workplace underscore and you can obviously find the podcast on all major podcast streaming services my name is mbalim zinyane i'll see you on the next episode bye-bye This podcast is brought to you by Fende Media. Fende Media builds podcasts from the ground up to tell your story. By partnering with individuals and business alike, Fende Media brings you communication to life through podcast services.